All right, it's good to be back in the house of the Lord this this morning. And I know if if you're like me, I found myself Thursday evening wondering what I was supposed to do. I felt like I didn't have anything to do. Um, you know, letting the services end on Wednesday night. Uh, the men, we had gathered here on Saturday night. We had two services on Sunday. Then Monday through Wednesday, we had services with Brother Gene and Brother Anthony. And you know, Thursday night, I found myself missing being together with you. You know, part of the, the whole thing about revival is fellowshipping with the brothers and sisters in Christ. Because, I, you know, I got used to getting those hugs every day so, and every night. So whenever, whenever you're not here, whenever we're not together, you're missed. And, you know, even though I was sitting at home with my wife, and I think we had Judah that evening, and, you know, we were, we were sitting there like we normally do on a, a non-church evening. And, you know, I found myself thinking to myself, boy, I wish we'd had church tonight. And I hope that you did as well, because, you know... It, we are part of one another. We need one another. You might not need me, but I know I need you. All right? Um, y'all, y'all put up with me. That's right. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right. You know, throughout the week, I appreciate Brother Gene. Boy, he's just, he's got, he's on fire. You know, like he said, he comes in with his hair on fire and, you know, what little he has. But he comes in with, see, that was a joke. And, but he comes in on fire and he lets it loose. And, uh, but, you see, Bridget told me this. She says, I like him. He, you know, he preaches good and it's the first time she's heard a good message in a long time. But also, she says, I like his jokes. They're funny. And I said, my jokes are funny. She says, no, they're not. And I said, well, you know, the good thing about Brother Gene is when he gets a good joke, he can tell it every week. You know, let him stay in a place for eight and a half years and see how well he does with a new joke every once in a while. It's hard. It's hard. I, but I say things in humor sometimes, and, and, but, you know, I want us to fellowship together, love one another, support one another, be each other's backbone, back protector, front guard, ever how you want to say that. You know, we have got to have each other. And as we go about this Christian life, praise God that we have each other. I like what Brother Anthony shared. You know, he said there was a lady that stood up and, and gave testimony. She says, I don't know how the world makes it without Jesus, and I don't intend to find out. I praise the Lord that we've got Him, He's got us, we've got each other, and through it all, we win. We are victors in Christ. All right, take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Today, this is where we're going to start, Matthew chapter 7. One thing while Brother Gene was preaching, you know, time and time again, I heard him say, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And, and, I, and in that, every time he said that, and, and he made this known as well, or made, got this idea across too, does he know you? You know, 
That's what I want to talk about this morning, is being known by Him. Being known by Jesus. You see, so many people, and Brother Gene gave some statistics and different things like that, and I remember reading years and years ago what Billy Graham said about the church. He said somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 to 80% of the church is lost. Think about that idea for just a moment. Because the lost are not in church, as we think about it, but inside the church, true Christianity, true faith, is outnumbered by the Pharisees, by those who are pretending, like, like Brother Gene said. But here we are, gathered together again, and the reason that we are here is so that we can worship Him and be known to Him. This morning, I'd like for us to start with this verse of Scripture in John chapter 17. It says, and this, this is Jesus' Jesus's words, and this is eternal life, that they may know you. He's, he's praying and He's speaking to God Almighty and He says, eternal life is us knowing Him the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have given them. Jesus is praying to God and He's praying over His disciples and He says, eternal life is that they may know you and know me. That's what He was saying. So, here's the thing. Yes, we know Him. Most people can equate that with knowing about Him. And just knowing about Him does not mean that you know Him. There's a whole lot of people that will come up to you and say, well, I know oh so-and-so and oh so-and-so. You know, I know certain people. You go ask those certain people, do you know so-and-so? And they're like, well, you know, I know of Him, but I don't really know Him. So some people will say they know you when they don't really know you, they know of you. Now, when we're talking about the King of the universe, when we're talking about the Creator, Sustainer of all things, we cannot leave it up to a maybe or a hope so type idea. We must know that we know Him. Because if we don't know Him and make sure that He knows us, then we have failed in anything and everything that we do. There's no point to anything without Him. Because the world was created by Him, for Him. And by the way, we're part of the world. You know, we must know Him. But more importantly, we need to make sure that He knows us. Matthew chapter 7. I told y'all to turn to it and I didn't do it myself, so let me get over there. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. Jesus gives this parable. He said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every bad tree, or I'm sorry, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Not 
everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You see, the key is having Him know you. Making sure that He, the King of glory, the Savior, the Redeemer, the One who purchased us back from death, hell, and the grave, make sure that He knows you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer again. Our God, our King, as we come before You, we do ask, Father, that You reveal to us the truth of our eternal destiny, our eternal place of living. Father, my prayer is this morning that everyone here, sitting here this morning would be saved. If they're not now, Father, I pray that they will turn to You and be known by You. Father, of course You know everything. But those who are dead in their sins and trespasses are not alive spiritually. Father, the Scripture says that we must be born again. We've got to come out of death and into life. We've got to come out of the darkness and into light. God, You direct us. Please, reveal to our hearts the truth about our salvation, whether it is real or whether it is false and help us to act accordingly lord if it's real we're going to play, praise you we're going to continue in the knowledge of the truth of our salvation but father if it's not real help us to to take time to make it real so that our name will be on your lips thank you lord jesus amen so in this first passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7, people come to the Lord Jesus and He says, you'll know the good ones by their, the good fruit, you'll know good trees by good fruit, you'll know bad trees by bad fruit. And then He says this, not everybody who says they're a good tree, now this is a different, not everybody who says they're a good tree will produce good fruit. So you'll look at their fruit and you'll know whether they're a good tree or a bad tree. Now he says it like this, not everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who say, Lord, Lord, and mean it, and act upon it, behave in a way that lets everybody know that he is our Lord, Lord. But Jesus, here, talks about not knowing them. So the first thing that I want to talk to you about this morning is, is names that are known and names that are not known in the Scripture. And the first, first place I want us to go to is Luke chapter 16. In Luke chapter 16, there is two men presented to us in, a chapter, uh, in verse 19 and verse 20. So Jesus starts telling this story and he's talking to the Pharisees. 
And he said this in verse 19, Luke 16, 19, There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Then he says in verse 20, but there was a, but there was a certain beggar who there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate. Now Jesus goes on to tell this parable about he's telling the story about Lazarus and this rich man. The only time in a parable or in a story that Jesus named a person. He named Lazarus. And as you go through the story, you see what happens. Both of these men die. Lazarus is ushered by angels into the presence of Abraham, into paradise. The certain rich man who is not named, he wakes up, his eyes open up, and he is in torment in hell. And the idea here is that Jesus knew Lazarus, didn't know the certain rich man. Like I said before, Jesus is omnipotent because He's God. He knows everything. He knew the name of the man, but He did not know him spiritually. The man was spiritually dead. And then when he became physically dead, he went to hell apart from Christ. He didn't enter into the kingdom of heaven. He may have said, Lord, Lord, but he didn't mean it with his heart. So Jesus knew the name of the one who knew him and welcomed him into paradise. So then, go with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Jesus knew Lazarus. And listen, in Mark chapter 1 verse 24, the Scripture there says, this demon... This man with an unclean spirit said, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now let me tell you, you know this truth. Satan knows who Jesus is. Satan knows who God is. Satan knows who is of God and who is not. This demon had not met Jesus before in this life, and yet he knew who Jesus was. Called him Jesus of Nazareth. Called him the Holy One of God. He knew exactly who Jesus was. Did he belong to the Lord Jesus? No. Not at all. Look in chapter 5, Mark chapter 5, verse 9. You see, here again, Jesus meets a man who is demon-possessed. And Jesus looks at him and says, What is your name? Talking to the demons that are inside of him. And they said, he said, they said, Legion, because we are many. You get the idea there. Jesus knows who are, who are His, and those that He don't know are not His. He said it this way, my sheep hear my voice, they know my voice, they know who I am. And he says, also, I know my sheep. I know my sheep. And by the way, he says there's, 
there's two separate camps. There's, there's a camp for the sheep and there's a camp for the goats. A goat will never become a sheep on its own. Can't. Because it's a goat. You see, the goat has to die to itself and have the Lord Jesus change it, change its nature to turn it into a sheep. That's us, by the way. Because we are goats. We're born goats. It's just us. That's part of our nature. We're born sinful beings. So in order for us to become a sheep, we've got to die to ourselves. We've got to let the Lord Jesus Christ live through us. Just like Paul said in Galatians 3.20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. In the life that I now live, I live for the Son of God who gave Himself for me. You see, Paul says, my life is no longer my, my own. I'm no longer a goat. I'm a sheep. I belong to Him. I obey the shepherd. I follow the shepherd daily. Now, even the demon knew who Jesus was, but Jesus didn't know who the demon was. He asked him, so what's your name? Revelation chapter 2, there's a man mentioned in Revelation chapter 2. Verse 13. Jesus is dictating to John, and he's saying to him and to the angel of the church of Pergamos, right? These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, who was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Imagine that. Jesus knew who had died for His name. And He named Him in Holy Scripture. And he says, I know how things are right there. He says, I remember Antipas when he was killed for the faith, when he was martyred for me, when he was taken away by this world, I received him into heaven. And Jesus named him in Scripture. In chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 also, he said this when he's... Speaking to the church at Sardis, you have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. You see, in verse 5, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments and I will not blot out his name from the book of life. Jesus says, I know who they are. Those who are still faithful those who have remained, those who were true in their faith to begin with and have lasted through, have endured all this time, I know them. I know their names. He didn't say you have a few people. He says, I know the names of those that are faithful. In Scripture, there are names that are known by the Lord and there are names that are not known by the Lord. So we go back now to Matthew chapter 7. And we discuss this that Jesus has talked about. Those that call Him Lord, Lord, and do not know Him. They know who, they know who Jesus is, but... 
they have not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. They're still dead in their trespasses and sins. So Jesus has not their name in his book. Because Jesus says, I know my sheep. And a shepherd, whether he has two sheep or two hundred sheep, he knows his sheep. So whenever the sheep start gathering around, he knows each one of them. As they come through, as they go into the corral or wherever he's taken, he knows each one by name. Oh, I know you. You're old so-and-so's daughter. And yeah, I, I remember you. I named you uh, sheep number one. And passing through. He knows each one. Well, you had a cut on your leg last week. Let me see how that's doing. He knows each sheep. Jesus knows your name. When you belong to Him, He knows you. And if you don't, if He doesn't know your name, if He doesn't have your name written down, you know what? You're like a certain rich man or a certain man that goes unnamed into hell, into torment. Make sure that He knows your name. In Matthew chapter 25, there's another instance where the words Lord, Lord are used. Jesus is telling a parable about ten virgins getting ready to go into, ten maidens getting ready to go into a wedding feast. And tradition was at that time, all, all those young ladies would come and they would escort the groom into the bridal party or into the wedding party. So they didn't know when he was going to come. So they were stationed and ready. So whenever he got there, they could escort him in. So while they were waiting, some of their candles, some of them had just brought their little pot of oil with a, a wick in it and, and they run out of oil. Five of them ran out of oil. The other five made, made preparations. They had another container of oil. So whenever their light went out, they filled it back up. And Jesus says, those five were prepared. So when the bridegroom came, they went in with him. The door was locked. And the five that had, didn't have the oil, that had gone off to buy some more, they were busy doing other things, they came to the door after it was locked and they knocked and said, Lord, Lord, let us in. Jesus said, I don't know who you are. Imagine for a moment you're going home and you get home and the door's locked and you knock on the door, hey, Whoever's inside, it's me. Let me in. You don't hear it unlock. You don't hear any chains rattling. You don't feel the doorknob moving. What you hear is this. Who are you? Well, I, you introduce yourself. This, it's me. I'm here. I'm home. And then those on the inside say, don't know you don't know you. You don't belong here. You're not able to enter in because you don't belong here. Jesus telling this parable about those who say, Lord, Lord, who are actually not His. 
when you're looking at the words, Lord, Lord, of course, you know, there's different translations of, of different titles for the Lord Jesus. The word Lord could be used in, in a similar fashion as Sir in the New Testament times. But what this signifies is that they were calling Him Master. They were calling Him uh, Lord. You are the one who has authority. And when they say it twice, it means you have ultimate authority. You, you have a greater authority than just a sir or just a master. You are the master's master. So when they were saying, Lord, Lord, and Jesus looked at him and said, or, or he spoke to him and says, No, I don't know you. You see, what they did when they cried out, Lord, Lord, they spoke an untruth. Because they were unwilling to make Him the master of their life. They were unwilling to submit themselves to the master's hand so that whenever they got there to the door, no entrance. And Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I tell you to? So the question is this, whenever we cry out, Lord, Lord, is He really master? When we pray, when we ask things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, are we lying because we don't really know Him as Lord? We just look at Him as the genie in the bottle and we rub the lamp and we ask for all our wishes to be done? Or do we submit our life to Him, our very being to Him, and say, You are my Master. Matthew chapter 7, that's what's talked about. Jesus says, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, actually has me as Lord. Then you go to Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Something very similar. Jesus is saying a good man will bring good things out of his heart. A bad man will have bad things come out of his heart. And this is what he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? He said, Why are you calling me Master if I'm not your Master? If I'm not your Master, you belong to somebody else. I can't tell you what to do. You're not submitting to my authority. You are someone else's goat and not one of my sheep. Jesus said this, by the way. He says, uh, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. If we call Him Master, we will obey His Word. We will obey His direction for our life. We will follow Him, seeking Him every day and following that way, if He's our Master. If not, then we've got somebody else telling us what to do. And Jesus doesn't know us. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I tell you to do? In Luke chapter 13, verse 22, 22 through 27, Jesus was there, and He went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to Him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And He said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. 
When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin, you will begin to say, we did this, we, we did that. And he says, I tell you, I do not know you where you're from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. You know, the Scripture says that not one liar will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And calling Jesus Master and Lord, calling Him Savior and Redeemer when He's not our Savior and Redeemer or Master and Lord is a lie. That's the only way we can put it. That's a lie. If He's not your Master and you say He's my Master, you're lying. And He said, no won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. You can call Him Lord, Lord all day long, but your actions reveal who is your Master and Lord. Because as He said, if you love Me, you'll follow My commandments. So in the Bible, there are names that are known and there are names that are not known. Just case in point, uh, Lazarus and the certain rich man. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord, is going to heaven. Not all of those who who say that they're saved, attend church and do all these other things, work for the Lord. Not everybody sitting in church is saved. Those whose names are written in heaven are saved. And therefore, Jesus knows your name. When you make Jesus your Lord and Savior, when you submit to His authority, when you humble yourselves before the Lord so that He can exalt you in due time, you see, that is what it takes in order to be a child of God named by the Lord Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, we're told to rejoice whenever our names are written in heaven. Jesus had sent out He had sent His disciples. He gave them power and authority over several different things. They were to go out and evangelize. They came back and they were happy about all that was going on. They said, even demons, even all these things, we were able to heal, we were able to do all this stuff. And Jesus says, don't don't rejoice in that. He said in, in chapter 10, verse 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Rejoice because your name is written in heaven. Don't rejoice in in what you do here and there. Uh, Don't take pride in those things. Here's what you do. You're happy. You're satisfied. You are well enough off having your name written in heaven even if you don't do anything else. But... If your name is written in heaven, you won't stop doing everything else. Jesus said, rejoice, because your name is written in heaven. In Hebrews chapter 12, I'm going to go over there real quick. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 and 23. The writer there is speaking, he says, To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. 
to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. You see, he says there's the general assembly of the church. Those who are truly saved, they are registered in heaven. Literally, their names are written on the register to reserve a spot for them in heaven. How awesome is that? You know, we talk about having a reservation in heaven all the time, and that's exactly what this means. When we are saved, when we are known by Jesus, He is saving, He has gone to prepare a place for us. He's going to come again and take us to be with Him forever. We've got a spot. We've got our name on it in heaven. When Jesus knows our name. Go with me to Revelation now. In Revelation chapter 13, a few times throughout the book of Revelation, what happens here is we're told about those whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. Look in uh, chapter 13, verse 6 through 8. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. This is talking about the Antichrist. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This is Satan. This is Antichrist. Those who have not had their name written in heaven will worship him. Will worship him. Not maybe, not maybe not, you see, the whole thing is, is if you don't know Christ, you are headed, you are already worshiping Satan. You, are ed- you already are His goat. He is your master. He's, he leads you. He sends you. He works through you. Evil. So, one of two masters. Either the Lord Jesus Christ, and He knows your name and you're a sheep, or either Satan, and He doesn't care who you are. The Lord Jesus doesn't know your name and you're a goat. Revelation chapter 17, verses 7 and 8. But the angel said to me, Why did you marvel? I tell you the mystery, I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. When they see the beast, that is, that was and is not and yet is. There's, he's saying again, those who have not got their name written in the book of life will worship Satan. Revelation 20. Then I saw a great throne. Verse 11. And him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. You see, Uh, And then go down to verse 15. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Not having your name written in heaven means eternal torment in hell. The lake of fire. 
where the worm does not die and the flame is never quenched, where the torment never stops, where the rich man and Lazarus, where, where the rich man cried out to Abraham and he says, let, let Lazarus just drop one drop of water on my tongue just to soothe it for just a moment. That's the kind of torment that we toy with, that we play with, that we think is not serious. Revelation 21, verse 27, says this, But there shall, be, there shall by no means enter it, talking about heaven, anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. To those whom Jesus will say, Depart from me, I never knew you. Hell. Plain and simple. Hell for all eternity. Torment. No light, only pain. Only weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth where you hear other people in just as much pain as you are in and you hear yourself in that much, feel yourself in that much pain as also. Or, you have your name written in heaven and you get paradise. You get true life with the Lord Jesus Christ forever and ever. And we've got plenty of time to make that decision. We don't have to do that today because we know what's going to happen this afternoon, tomorrow, this week, next month, next year. We are, we've got everything planned out. You know what? I'm going to wait to submit not myself to the Lord Jesus Christ until I'm just about to die, and then when I get ready to do that, I'll accept Jesus and go to heaven. I found this in my reading the other day. Not sure who the author was, but listen to the words. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die is cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right, first, tops, recognized, praised, regarded, or rewarded. 
I now live by faith. Lean in His presence. Walk by patience. Am uplifted by prayer. And I labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifices, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Jesus. I must go till He comes. Give till I drop. Preach till all know. And work till He stops me. And when He comes, when He comes for His own, He will have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. Does Jesus know you? When, he's come, when He comes, He's going to be looking for His own. I'm not asking you if you know Him. I think everybody in South Mississippi has heard the name of Jesus. Does He know you? Has He heard your name? Does He have your name written in glory? Does He have a place reserved for you? So that when you go to meet Him, He'll welcome you with open arms. Instead of having the door locked and saying, depart from me, I never knew you. You see, your choice is clear today. Heaven or hell. It's that easy. That simple. When Jesus comes, the sheep will go home to be with Him. The goats will be left. My prayer is that these pews will be empty and not a goat sitting in there. So this morning, if you're a goat, I love you. I want you to know my Jesus. If you're a sheep, praise God, I love you. I'm glad you know my Jesus. Today, you know which you are. Are you okay with being a goat? I hope not. I pray not. During our invitation time, make your way down here and just say, I want heaven. I want Jesus. I want to be His. He will save you. He's the only one that can. But you've got to let Him. You've got to ask Him. Will you do that? Let's pray together, please. King of glory, the rider on the white horse, who will one day come and judge the world. As we stand before you, 
sit, bow before you. Lord, help us to realize the truth of our eternity, lost or saved. And Father, for those who are saved, praise you and thank you. But for those who don't know, and for those who know that they're lost, God, touch their heart right now. And don't let them leave this place being lost and a goat. You are in control. You have the power. Father, we exalt You. We ask for You to accomplish Your purpose in this time. In Jesus' name, Amen.